How are we all doing out there? Well, I tell you something, I'm very excited for this uh, week that we've got. My friend Ted Shuttlesworth, his wonderful wife, Carolyn, and all the kids are here with us. We are grateful to have them come with us up here to Montana. Um, I'm going to just be candid with everybody. I, I feel like when I get around other ministers my age, I'm really not all that impressed with people. But I do love Ted. <laughs> he absolutely inspires me. And you know what I love about it is he's got such a different flavor than I bring. And I think that's probably one of the greatest, healthiest things you can have in a church. So, Ted, without further ado, we can introduce the man of God. Say hello to Ted Shuttlesworth this morning. Great to have you out, brother. And thanks. Well, let's lift our hands all over the house and give Jesus praise and thanks. Father, we thank you for your anointing today. We thank you for your power. We ask you to touch us this week. Let it be a supernatural encounter. I pray that by the time we leave this week that not one person would have their prayer requests remain, but they'd be turned to praise reports in Jesus' name. Give us testimonies by your power. And I pray, you, Lord, you'll get all the praise and the glory for what takes place. Lord, let lives be completely turned around. We ask you those things that others thought would never happen. I pray they would supernaturally take place and that your name would get all the praise and the glory for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, I pray that America would be uh, hit with a mighty revival in Jesus' name. Lord, for every attack of the devil that tried to hit this nation over the last 18 months, we declare now, blow your breath from heaven and blow every wicked thing away from this nation in the mighty name of Jesus. We take authority over every plan of the devil, every antichrist agenda. We ask you, Lord, to let this be a time of supernatural harvest. Let souls be saved like never before. I pray that people would be delivered from addictions and set free from every bondage of the enemy in Jesus' name. Let America experience one final mighty revival before Jesus comes back again. And let us be right in the middle of what you're doing in Jesus' name. We thank you for it and we give you all the praise. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. Yeah. Amen. We'll give Jesus a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. I'm so happy to be back with you again. It's so great to be back. And I came a little early, and uh, Pastor Jordan and Elizabeth, so uh, generous. We went and spent some days in the mountains and just uh, cut off off the grid, totally off the grid. And we were up there in Wyoming in the mountains. And uh, is that called Bighorn Mountain? Is that the name of it? It was beautiful up there, man. And we spent about uh, three days just relaxing and enjoying fellowship and hanging out. And uh, it was awesome. Like <laughs> We left yesterday morning. And uh, we got up and getting ready to have breakfast. And as we're getting ready, to, we're right there by the creek. And as we're getting ready to have breakfast, here comes a uh, uh, two moose. We had a, a cow and a calf came through, and we're just like admiring the beautiful. You know, they're so big and beautiful, majestic. And all of a sudden, here comes uh, people through on a trail on ATVs and scared the moose half to death. They ran them right through our camp, and they come charging through the camp. Kids are screaming, people are freaking out. <laughs> and I mean, there we are. And then, and, we, and then they went through, and we could tell where the moose were because it was just screams from campsite to campsite <laughs> down, the, down the creek. It's like, oh, I know where the moose is now. There it is. 
And uh, so it was great. I mean, we, we had a blast. And I want to say a thank you again to your pastors. They're so generous and so awesome. And I know you appreciate them, too. You've got great pastors here. And uh, never take that for granted because y'all raise your raise for the man and woman of God that he's placed in your life to strengthen you and to pray for you and to raise you up and, and equip you. And uh, I just want to tell you, it's, it's awesome to be back. And uh, it's great to see every one of you. I have a big expectation for what God's going to do this week. And uh, I want to encourage you to press in in faith as well. Set your faith and believe that this is your week to receive from the Lord. Amen. It's been awesome because um, let me first encourage you and tell you, no matter what you may have heard on the, uh, you know, on the, on the news or the, in the media, this is a generation that is hungry for God. And I know they try to tell us, well, this is, you know, this is a generation that's not hungry, not, you know, they're falling away, they're leaving church and everything. But let me just tell you this, when you read those statistics, one thing they never include is what types of churches young people are leaving. It's the dead ones, by the way. <laughs> and guess what? I'd leave too. I would rather be at home eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich than I would be in a church where the presence of God is not moving. And there's many churches across this nation that have really kicked the Holy Spirit out of their church. They don't want his move, his manifestations, and many have become embarrassed of the Holy Ghost. That's why I give God thanks for churches like Bethany that are not only welcoming but are seeking the presence of God and want to see him move and want to see his presence manifested. And everywhere we've been this year, it's been in last year. So supernatural. Uh, I had people call me last year like, man, must be rough as an evangelist. Everything's shutting down. Can I tell you, we went so hard last year. I don't know if I, I think the only time I got to spend home was in April. We were in the middle of a revival. I think I told you this last year. We were in the middle of a revival when the pandemic hit. I was in Detroit, Michigan, in the midst of an extended revival. And the, they, they announced the lockdowns and everything in March. And the pastor was like, well, let's just keep going. And so we, we finished the revival. People were changed and touched by the power of God. I went home in April, which was really the only time we had home. And uh, in that time, God gave us, I shared this testimony with you, supernaturally gave us a television studio. And that was what God was opening the door to preach the gospel around the world. And uh, there you see us in that studio. We didn't tell a soul uh, about what was going on. God opened the doors. And if you remember, I told you the testimony. My wife, mother, got a word from the Holy Spirit in a revival service, and he took a piece of pen and paper. My wife said, draw what you saw in the vision. He started drawing what the building would look like before we ever saw one. He said, God's going to give you this building, and this is what it looks like. I saw it in the Spirit. And so we hung that on the fridge, and we were like, that's our word. And uh, then we had a realtor start taking us to look at commercial properties, and we started to see all these different buildings. They were nice, but they didn't look like what my dad saw by a vision. And so we said, well, we're going to keep looking. Finally, on the last property that the place that they took us to, we drive into the parking lot, and there is this building that looks exactly like what my father saw in the vision. And when we talked to the owner about what he would do to, uh, for us to get the building, can you believe this, God, the way God works, it was half of what, less than half of what every other property was in that whole area. And we moved in, didn't tell one soul, and uh, we said, we're going to let people know the first broadcast we do from here that we got a new television studio. And we didn't tell them a thing. And then we had one partner in, the, in Georgia who felt in their spirit, he and his wife, to sit down. They wrote one check and sent it into the ministry, not even knowing why. We opened that check, and can I tell you something? 
This was so amazing. It paid the whole year of the building in one check. Hallelujah. That's the office. I don't know if you have the picture of the drawing at all, but if you do, it's pretty cool. There's the drawing. And my dad saw the palm. And this is what he said in the vision. He was like, I can't see a second floor. He said, I don't see the second story and everything. We, we, we got there, and the, the building has no second story. And so every, every other building did. It was supernatural how God did it. And so God set that up. So we move in. And then God opens the doors to 180 nations of the world now. And every single week, I couldn't have done this. The Holy Ghost did it. 180 nations of the world are now hearing the gospel preached every single week. Supernatural. So check this out. Then uh, I get another call just recently uh, within the last about month. I get another call. And they said, you know what? There's a guy that owns a station. He just acquired a television network that goes into parts of Africa, more in Pakistan, and then he started all these other nations that are connected. He said, he wants to put your program on now for free in all of these nations. And so that's going to be expanding here shortly. And then uh, we have a, a connection with a man who runs a television network that covers the whole uh, Caribbean, every island in the Caribbean. I didn't realize this, but there's more people living in the Caribbean than in Canada. Isn't that wild? There's like 36, 37 million in Canada. There's 39 million in the Caribbean islands. And you don't realize there's so much depression and, and, and violence like you wouldn't believe and suicide all sweeping through. Drug abuse, domestic abuse. And I'm telling you, God put up on my heart. The Caribbean is on my heart. I've been there many times to preach and uh, I grew up. My father started preaching there when I was a little boy. It was awesome. It's got in my heart. And uh, we're getting ready to expand to 39 million more people there. And I'm just telling you, God kept uh, opening the doors. So all of last year slammed. And then all of this year, God's been moving. Revival after revival. We just came back from Tomball, Texas, which is just north of Houston, about an hour. And uh, just revival hit and miracles started taking place. And uh, I was preaching. And as I'm preaching, in the, I wasn't given an altar call or anything. As I'm just ministering the word of God, there's a man in the center section just weeping. I mean, he's just sitting there crying, weeping. And uh, I'm watching him, and I can see his shoulders shaking, you know, and his head's down on the chair, you know. And uh, I start, I'm just continuing on preaching. He stands up right in the middle of the service and gets out in the aisle and just walks down to the altar. And he kneels down and puts his head on the altar, and he's crying. And then I see him reach into his uh, coat. And he said, I cocked a fist. You never, in these days, you never know what's coming out of that coat. You know, <laughs> I reach back, and I, and, I, and I look down. He pulled out three packs of cigarettes, and he set them on the altar. And uh, he's weeping, crying. When I saw the cigarettes, I went over and sat down and got me one. And uh, I, start, I started breaking all the cigarettes in half and laying them on the altar. He gave us a testimony later. He said, you know, I've, I've been serving the Lord. I'm a Christian and everything. He said, but this is something I've never been able to shake is, is smoking cigarettes. He said, nicotine has got me so addicted. He said, let, let me tell you that right there. He said, that's my testimony. I've been smoking three packs a day for 26 years. He said, and then he came back three nights later. He said, can I give you the testimony? These last three days, I hadn't had one cigarette. Hallelujah. God set him free supernaturally. Well, the Lord started moving. I saw a lady in the back, and she had oxygen on. Oxygen tube. She had the tank with her. I didn't know what was wrong with her, but I went back because I could see the presence of the Lord on her. And she started, she was crying. I said, sister, stand. God's going to touch you. And so she stood up. And uh, I said, what is it? Because the Lord didn't reveal to me what was wrong with her. I said, what are you battling? She said, well, I've been diagnosed with COPD. And I said, well, you really need the oxygen? 
She said, brother, if, she said, if I'm not sitting, I need the oxygen. She said, just standing, I can't hardly breathe. I said, well, do you believe God will touch you tonight? I loved her answer. She said, I know he will. I love that. She said, I know he will. I said, well, take the oxygen off. I'm going to pray for you. She took it out of her nose. I laid hands on her, and the Lord touched her supernaturally. I said, put the tubes down. I said, we're, going to t- we're getting ready to take a, a journey of faith. I grabbed her by the hand, and we started walking. I walked her down the aisle, across the altar, out, back through the lobby. Back. You know, people are laughing, but I'm walking her everywhere through the church, and she's getting excited, you know. Doesn't need the oxygen. She comes down. She's dancing, and she's giving God praise. She came back the next night, didn't even bring the tank, and she's dancing at the altar and giving God glory completely healed of that COPD. Well, here's the other side of that testimony that stirred me up. On the last night of the revival, uh, I give the altar call for salvation. And here comes, you know, a bunch of people came down to get saved, but I see this one man coming down, bald head, shaved, you know, looks like a hard man. You know, he came down to the altar, kind of just strutted down, stood there, you know, real stiff. And I said, lift your hands, we're going to pray. And I'm watching the pastor, and the pastor's like freaking out. Like he's seeing this guy, he's like, he, tears, the pastor's eyes are welling up. I'm like, I got to figure out what this testimony is. And he's watching this man uh, pray the prayer of salvation, and, he, and the pastor's getting blessed. And then as soon as we said amen, that man strutted over to the pastor, and they just hugged. And he just, the pastor's crying, the man's got tears in his eyes, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And the pastor said to me after, he said, you saw that man get saved. He said, yeah. That man, he said, let me tell you, that's a hard man right there. He said, he's a a raging alcoholic, violent man, got anger issues. He said, a man came onto his property last year. He said, he killed a man last year. He said, didn't go to jail because, of course, that's Texas, didn't go to jail. He said, because the man was on his property, but he said he went after the man. The man didn't come after him. Killed him. He said, he's just been hard, hasn't been to church in years and years. He said, but do you know what happened to him? He said, during this week, because I think it was the first night he came to the revival, it was the last night. He said, uh, hard man, wouldn't come to church, wouldn't serve the Lord. He said, but something happened that softened his heart. I said, what was it? He said, his wife came home healed of COPD. Hallelujah. He said when his, when his wife came home and she was healed and didn't need the oxygen anymore and he saw her miracle, he said something broke in his heart. And he said, I'm coming to church. If God healed my wife, I'm coming to church. And he came to church and gave his heart to Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you, it's been one wonderful testimony after another as God's moving throughout America. We just finished in Pittsburgh not long ago. And God did the same there. I mean, to see young people, so we posted online, you can go back and see it, but the young people, the youth, though that age group, so on fire, they had to have basically most of the overflow section of the church was just teenagers coming and uh, getting involved in the revival. One night the Holy Ghost hit, and I just felt the power of God. I jumped off the platform, took off running around the church, and I mean the whole section of young people took off running at the same time. And we just, I had an old-fashioned Jericho march in the church, and, and we just went at it. And the, and the power of God, people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, one of the things that, that really stirred me up, the young people of this generation are hungry for the Holy Ghost. We were in New York doing a, a conference, and uh, this was in July. And one, the final night I was getting ready to preach, and we started, we had kids be ready to be water baptized that night. 
And I think we only signed up maybe like 35 kids to be water baptized, something like that. But the Holy Ghost hit the place. And I've never seen anything like this. And I've been in church, you know, since I was, I was in my first revival at two weeks old. Of course, I wasn't preaching that when I was just attending. But I, uh, I was there. And I just, I'd been in so many services and stuff. I'd never seen a water baptism like this, Pastor Jordan. We're sitting there and kids are being baptized. But when they would come up out of the water, and this was a youth conference. So there was about 900 to 1,000 young people in the building. And every time a student came up out of the water, the whole room sounded like a Super Bowl uh, victory. It was like, ah, you know, like they were just like giving God praise as each student was getting baptized in water coming up out of the water. Well, when they were getting baptized, students started getting convicted. And they're like, I need to be saved. I need to be water baptized. So we started spontaneously baptizing students. And they were, it was so, so wild that they would just, they would just, but some of them didn't have clothes. You know, they're just like, I don't have any clothes to change into, but I'm going to be baptized anyway. And they started getting in line. We bat- How long? That, that service went till after midnight. They didn't want to leave. And I'm sitting there, and the, the, we're, we're in the building, and they're chanting, like, don't stop, don't stop. And, and that, I'm talking about the fire of God hit the place. And every time, you'd think that'd get old after maybe like 13, 20 students, you know, the, the, the shears would, would, would die down. It did not stop. We baptized 121 students that night in water. And I mean, people were shouting, praising, dancing. I said, you know, it's the Holy Ghost. I said, you know, I said, people are like, man, how can you really tell? I said, when you see all these high school age boys and girls next to each other and they're dancing like crazy, they don't care what they look like. You know, that's a potential girlfriend or boyfriend next to you. If you don't care, you're dancing. I mean, you know, the if you've never been to like a Holy Ghost youth camp or youth youth conference, you know, there's a fragrance of anointing that comes in that place. And uh, it's a mixture of... Uh, Axe body spray, Victoria's Secret body spray, and BO. All three mixed together. And that's, that's, what, that's what you got at a youth camp or a youth conference. And uh, they didn't care. They didn't care what they smelled like. Didn't care what they looked like. They were just giving God praise and shouting and dancing and getting free. I called out. I said, there's people here. You gotta, you're addicted to stuff. And I called out. Some of y'all are addicted to uh, alcohol as a teenager. Some of y'all are addicted to prescription medication, pornography. And I mean, they got out of their seats and just came to the altar, knelt down, repenting, receiving Jesus as their Savior, getting baptized. <laughs> we had one kid. It was the first experience in a Holy Ghost meeting he'd ever had in his life. And he was my nephew's friend. They brought him from Virginia. And uh, <laughs> he came back to the hotel. He was all charged up. He was like, hey, I got to tell you something. I was like, what happened to you tonight? He was like, I spoke tongues. That's, that's what he told me. He said, I spoke tongues. I said, well, that's awesome. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's just been one thing after another. And I want to I encourage you because, see, God's moving. While it might be getting worse and worse for the world, it keeps getting better for the people of God. It keeps getting better for the people of God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18 that the path of the just is a shining light. That shine get brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And so your path is supposed to get brighter and brighter and brighter. If you've got a covenant with the Almighty God, then you're not called to diminish. You're not called to go from uh, you know greater years and then have slump years. And it's not we're not called to roller coaster Christianity. Up one year, down the next. Up the next year. No, we're called to never ending increase until Jesus comes. We serve a God of increase. Can you say Amen?
And he has the ability and the power not only to protect his children, but to bless his children in the midst of a mess. Can you say amen? amen. Say this with me. God can bless me in the midst of a mess. Now, in case you haven't noticed, and I'm sure you have, the world's in a mess. The world's in a mess. Some of y'all that have lived longer than I have could probably look back and say, I've never seen such a mess in all my life. How many could attest to that? I've never seen such a mess in all my life. Well, one thing we know is that as we come closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, that the world will keep going to a place of degradation. It gets worse and worse. Jesus prophesied it. He said, it'll be like it was in the days of Noah. And it'll be like it was in the days of Lot. Well, what was it like in those days? Well, in the days of Noah, the Bible says extreme violence and extreme corruption. Those are the two things that outlined the days of Noah. Violence everywhere you look and corruption everywhere you look. Well, I don't think you could argue that today we look around and more than ever before, violence everywhere we look and corruption everywhere we look. You know, corruption has seeped into the sporting industry. It's seeped into the healthcare industry. It's seeped into the government. It's seeped into corporations and the corporate industry. It's even seeped into churches. There's churches that have pastors that are corrupt. It's just a sign of the times that we know we're coming closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Then Jesus said it'll be like it was in the days of Lot. What was that like? Unbridled perversion. Unashamed perversion. It's what you see when you look everywhere today. You know, nobody's ashamed of what they're doing or who they are. And they, in fact, they flaunt it. Now they're taking whole months to have pride in what they're doing. But it's a sign of what's going on in this world. Jesus said, when you see these things happen, this is the state the world's going to be in when I return. And so I'm telling you more than ever before, I am prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. And I made up my mind, I'm not going to lay off as we see the coming of the Lord returning. I'm not going to lay off. I'm going to press in. I'm going to go harder than I've ever gone. Hallelujah. The Bible said in, in the book of Hebrews, you know, this is one of the reasons we believe in gathering together in person because the Bible commands it. The Bible says that, that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but as we see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. Amen. That's why I thank God for a pastor like yours who has wisdom to see the Bible and know that as we see the day of the Lord is approaching, we're not gathering less, we're gathering more. Hallelujah. This, even this revival, just the act of us coming together for a week, this is obedience to an instruction from the Word of God. That as we see the day of the Lord approaching, how many can see it approaching? I can see it approaching. We're to gather all the more. Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And one of the things that I've clearly seen is that, and you can see it as well, is that there's a spirit of antichrist that's been at work like never before to try to stop the people of God from doing what we're called to do. There is a spirit called antichrist. Now, I want to show you something because it's very interesting that when you look at that word Christ, the word Christ was not Jesus' last name. You know, if you looked him up in the phone book, it would not be Christ, Jesus. Christ, Christ was a descriptor word. It meant the Messiah or the anointed one. The Messiah or the anointed one. That's what Christ means. And I understand when you see the word anti-Christ, what that really is is anti-anointing. 
It's anti-Messiah or the redemption that he brought. It has set itself against the power of God. What you see operating in the world today is anti-anointing, anti-God. Did you ever notice that the world doesn't have any issue with a religion as long as it's not Christianity? You ever notice that? You never, you never hear people railing against Muslims in the government. When was the last time you heard them railing against Muslims in the government? In fact, if you go to New York, when they were shutting everybody down all last year, can I tell you what they did? They actually provided resources for the Muslims to be out publicly celebrating. Provided it. While they're shutting down churches and telling people you can't sing a song and telling people you can't worship freely, it's gotten so bad overseas now that they can't even go into their church alone as the leadership to live stream their services to the people at home. They've told them if you come up, you can't, even if there's nobody else in the building, this is going on in Australia, that you can't even stand and sing in your church alone by yourself. Who are you going to spread it to? The invisible man? I mean, I'm telling you, it's an anti-Christ move to push back against what God's doing in the earth. And the devil does not like the spirit of God that's at work in the church. That's why the Bible teaches, and I believe this with all my heart, that the one who is restraining the anti-Christ must be removed before he can fully take power. It's my belief that that is a representation of the church filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. As long as we're here, we've got dominion over the devil. I said we've got dominion over the devil. The devil has no answer for a praying Holy Ghost-filled church. He's got no answer for a praying Holy Ghost-filled church. And see, as you see this, it's important to remember that what we're facing is not just people with a bad attitude or alternate views. We're facing an anti-Christ spirit. That's why, like more than ever before, it's important to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and to stand for what the Word of God says. I know it's not popular, but I'm going to preach what the Bible says, and I know the government doesn't like it. I know that the Antichrist system doesn't like it, but let me tell you, I don't care if they outlaw preaching like this. You can find me on cell block E preaching the same message because I ain't going to stop preaching it because I believe. You know what's so crazy? I, I went through last year and started to wonder. You know, I saw so many Christians posting Romans 13 on their social media. Just obey the government. Just do whatever the government says. You know, whatever. If, if that's what the message of the Bible is, is just obey the government, explain to me how all of the apostles' letters, most of them were written from jail. If they were always obeying the government, how come they were writing so many letters from jail? You have to understand, if you read through the Old and New Testament, the whole Bible is about godly people resisting wicked governments and the governments trying to persecute them, but God delivering his people from the wickedness that's in the world. That's what you see in the Old Testament. I mean, look at Daniel. They made it illegal to pray to anybody but the king. And Daniel didn't say, well, you do understand, you know, he is the ruler, and I just want to have a good impression on him as a God follower. No, David, the Bible says Daniel threw the windows open and knelt down in the same place that he always prayed. He didn't even hide it behind some closed door. He didn't develop some little prayer closet so he'd be out of view of the government. He went right out in the middle of everybody, knelt down and prayed to the almighty God. Hallelujah. It was a death penalty to pray to the almighty God but Daniel did it anyway because he believed that the same God I'm praying to 
is the same God that can deliver me from every attack of the wicked one. You know, I love how the Bible gives us these stories because there's always a skeptic, I'm sure, out there that probably works for the History Channel that always likes to take these stories and give you some roundabout way where it wasn't really the way you think it was, you know. I'm sure there'd be somebody say, well, you know, the lions weren't really that hungry. You know, I'm sure there's always going to be somebody, but I love how the Bible gives us these stories to show us it was a supernatural event because it wasn't that the lions weren't hungry and it wasn't that they weren't ferocious. It's just that God had his hand of protection on Daniel. And the Bible tells us that when he was pulled up out of the pit, the Bible says the next day the wicked men who talked the king into passing that wicked law, were tossed into the pit. And the Bible says the lions mauled them so hard, broke all their bones before they hit the floor of the pit and ate them up without hesitation. It's not that the lions weren't hungry. It's that they had no right to touch God's man who was in the pit. Hallelujah. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where the law of the land was bow to the statue that looks like the king. And when you hear the music play, you need to bow. See, this is the kind of stuff that they're spreading through America right now. And if, you, if they can't get you one way, they'll try to get you another way. At first, you know, they try to push it at you like, well, this is what responsible citizens do. And they try to clap as you do the right thing. But if you won't listen then, then they start guilting you into it. Well, you're endangering others. And then they try to get you that way. But if they still can't get you that way, then they'll come back and try to reward you with gifts. I'll give you a Krispy Kreme donut and a beer if you'll do what we want you to do. But if they can't get you that way, then you know what the final way is? By force. And that's where they're trying to go right now with an anti-God, anti-Christ system to try to push us into a place where we do what the government wants us to do. And notice this. What are, see, this is why I preach like this. Because why do we need to wait until it gets in America like it is in other countries? Why? Thanks for all the shouts. Why do I? Why I'm not waiting until America becomes China or America becomes Australia or America America becomes the UK. We're a free people that need to stand up with our freedom of religion and declare. You can't stop me from declaring the word of God. You can't stop me for standing for what's holy and for what's righteous. And we need to declare. I don't care what it comes to. It is God first and everything else last. Because we are kingdom citizens and we believe the word of God. Amen. The Bible says that they said bow to the statue. There's people bowing all over this nation right now. There's churches bowing. We got pimps in the pulpit that are taking money from the government. That you, I don't know if you know this, but there's pimps in the pulpit taking money so that they literally treating their people like cattle. I know this from behind the scenes because I, I have a lot of people that are pastors and friends of mine, but there's government, government money coming to pastors, $5,000 a head for every one of your people you get vaccinated. $5,000 a head. Why do you think you see some of these churches becoming vaccination centers? You know why? Because they're taking money from the government. Pastors are being prostituted in their own pulpits by wicked people in leadership in the government to do what the government wants them to do. But let me tell you something. We need to stand strong and declare, I refuse to bow my knee to the spirit of this world and to the Antichrist agenda that's sweeping through the nation.
And I'm going to tell you right now, we are a strong people. We are a strong people. I said we are a strong people. We are not victims. We are not defeated. We're not even fighting for the victory. We've already got it. We're fighting from the victory. And the Bible says, they said, when you hear the music play, there's a whole lot of music being played in America right now. They want everybody to bow when they hear the music. Can you imagine what it would be like today? If, if there was a, a statue in Washington, D.C. set up that was 90 feet tall of Joe Biden and every person in America was called to D.C. and we had to all sit there out in, the, out in the open and when we heard music play, all of us would have to bow down to the image of Joe Biden. Let me tell you, there would be people that would do it. There'd be people in this country that would do it. And I'll blow your mind with this one. There's Christians that would do it. Well, you know, this is just, it's really just 15 days to flatten the curve. You know what the roughest part about the 15 days to flatten the curve is? The first 18 months. And let me, let me just tell you, there's Christians that would do it. There's Christians that would bow down. Well, you know, we're just doing, we want to make a good impression on our brothers and sisters in the government. No. And, and see, this is the thing we have to make up in our mind. Is before I'm a United States citizen, I'm a kingdom of, I'm a citizen of heaven, the kingdom of God. Before anything else, it's kingdom over culture. I said it's kingdom over culture. You, you look at last year with all the racial stuff that was going on. Do you really think that was for the world? It wasn't for the world. It was for the church. The world already hates each other. The world world's already full of racist people. The world's already combating each other on every side. Culture's already fighting against culture. But see, what the devil knows that most people don't realize, you go through America, the average church in America is a multicultural church. And if the devil can get us fighting against ourselves, then he doesn't even have to do anything to attack us. We can literally just begin to fight ourselves and lose ground because unity has come out of the house of God. That's why we got to understand. That's why I don't, I don't believe in white churches and I don't believe in black churches or Puerto Rican churches. I don't believe in Native American churches. I believe in Holy Ghost churches where we come together as one and do what the Holy Ghost commanded us to do. We need unity back in the body again. Revivals in America. Jesus is coming back very soon and we're going to be ready when he comes. Can you shout amen? Bow your knee to the statue. I ain't bowing nothing. I said, I ain't bowing nothing. I bow to one that is God Almighty. Amen. And see, once we recognize this, uh, I want to show you this quickly in Acts chapter 13. There is an antichrist spirit to be dealt with. You say, well, you said, it sounds very militant, Brother Ted. Well, there's time you have to become someone who fights the good fight of faith. I'll say you this, uh, say this to you, only fighters are qualified to be winners. Woo! You ever think about that? Only fighters are qualified to be winners. If you watch a title bout in boxing or UFC or anything else, you'll watch those two guys go at it. There's also a referee in the ring. But it doesn't matter which way the fight goes, the referee will never be the champion. He'll never be the champion. He's just there judging other people's fights. I could preach on that for a whole nother service. But there's some people, they've not won their victory because the devil has tricked them into judging other people's race. They're not, they're not running their race. They're not fighting their fight. They're just critiquing your style and form. Ooh. 
I could preach on that because it's happening all over America. The devil's got us uh, uh, not focused on our purpose, but trying to focus on what others are doing wrong. Well, at least I'm not like him. At least I'm not like her. Can you imagine? Did you see what she did? Did you see what he posted on Facebook? Did you see what she wore to church? And there's people that all they're doing is they're critiquing other people's form, critiquing other people's race and other people's fight. But when really we're called to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Can you imagine if you were in a, a, a I was talking with Pastor Jordan about this while we were camping. Imagine if you were in a sprint, let's say a 300 meter or something like that, and you were, you were like, this is for the championship, and you're looking, and you've got somebody in your lane next to you on the left and lane next to you on the right. Can you imagine if when that gun sounded, you took off running, but then you spent the whole time looking over here and watching their form, do you know you have to slow down to watch somebody else? When they teach you, anybody do any running in high school or in college, anybody was a runner? You know what they teach you, right? They teach you to put your eyes on a point, and focus on that and run as hard as you can. If you're in a longer race, you know what they teach you to do? To put your eyes on the back of the next runner that's ahead of you and run at that runner until you pass them and choose a new target with another runner that's ahead of you. You've got to keep your eyes focused on your goal. And the devil's a master at getting people to unfocus their eyes from their goal and start putting it on other people. But see, when we begin to focus on what the Word of God says and on the purpose, the anointing that's upon our lives, then we recognize there's no devil in hell that can stop us. There's no wicked force that can take us out. We are the people of the Almighty God. Acts 13 is a perfect picture of this. And one of the things that I think's happened is that we've gotten to, we've heard so much preaching on grace and love a lot of times in America that we forget that there is a fight against an antichrist agenda. Sometimes we think there's just believers and unbelievers, but there's an additional category that almost nobody ever talks about. It's the category of the wicked. The wicked and unbelievers are two different people. You can see them here in this story in Acts 13. The wicked and the unbeliever, two different people. And the unbeliever needs the gospel. But see, the wicked need removal. And the thing that you see with the Apostle Paul, he didn't, it's not that he didn't understand the love of God. He wrote on the love of God. It's not that he didn't understand the grace of God. He wrote on the grace of God. But Paul understood that there's a war for the souls of men. I'll tell you, recently, there was a, he's dead now, but there was a president of Venezuela who announced every Christian missionary had to leave the nation. No Christian crusades, nobody could witness, nobody could proselytize, nobody could evangelize. And let me tell you, you think God's going to allow one wicked man to hold the gospel back from an entire nation of people? It was shortly after that that he dropped over dead and was removed out of the way. God cares more about the souls of an entire nation than one wicked man who stands to hold the gospel back from the people who need salvation. And here you see it. The Bible says Paul's preaching to the governor whose name is Sergius Paulus. And while he's preaching to this governor, there is a, a, a sorcerer named Elemus who is literally whispering in the governor's ear to ignore the gospel message of Paul. I want you to see this, verse 5, when they arrived at Salamis and proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, they'd gone and, and they had John to assist them, and when they'd gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, 
Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So here's a governor who wants to hear the gospel. He wants to hear the word of God. And the Bible says, but the Alemus the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them. Catch that phrase right there. He opposed them. There's a spirit in the world right now opposing the anointing of God, opposing the people of God, opposing the agenda of God. You know, it, it blows my mind. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on this today because I got something in my spirit just, just to deliver to you, set you up for this week of revival. It blew my mind how many people I heard saying, well, it's not about the church. It's not about Christians. Well, then how come Home Depot's open? How come Walmart's open? How come Albertsons is open? How come we can go down and do everything else except come to church? How come it is? I, I knew one, I saw one pastor online. He was so sick of hearing that, that they couldn't gather, couldn't gather, couldn't gather because the church isn't essential. You know what he said? Everybody in the congregation meet me in aisle seven of Lowe's this Sunday. Because I can go to Lowe's, I can go into Lowe's and meet, I can go into Lowe's and we'll shop around with people. And see, here's the thing. We kept hearing, well, it's not about the church, not about the church. And the church isn't essential. You explain to me how suicides went up last year, how violent crime went up last year, how all these things, depression, anxiety, and suicidal thought, God from society, up. why? When you remove the anointing from society, when you remove the power of God from society, then the devil is unhindered in his works. But when we declare you cannot remove the power of God, not from my home, not from my town, not from my school, not from my business, I refuse to shut up about it. I refuse to sit down about it. I'm standing for the word of God, and I'm standing for what he's doing in this nation. Somebody shout amen. amen. Declare this with me. Say Montana, Montana. Belongs, to Jesus. Yeah, and we're not laying back and just saying, well, devil, you know, it's these last days. No, it's not the last days so that we can sit back and do nothing. As we see the day of the Lord approaching, we're pressing in. We're occupying till he comes. Notice this. And he was always opposing what Saul was doing. Opposing, opposing, opposing. It blows my mind to see these nations, what's going on right now. I'm watching it happen. I'm watching these things happen. Where you've got national ministries that won't even say a thing. You know, there's national ministries in Australia that have not said a word. Not a word. You know, Hillsong's in Australia. You know, Planet Shakers is in Australia. There's massive, massive ministries and have just sat back and allowed that thing to happen instead of stepping up and doing what the Bible says. And they're, I mean, they're, they're putting them in camps. I don't know if you've seen this or not. They're putting them in camps in Australia, containment camps. And you got to stay there. The government is taking people into camps. I mean, it's like watching, uh, it's like watching communism. It's, un it's unbelievable. And there's churches that are just silent, not saying a word, not doing a thing. And I made up on my mind, that ain't coming to the shores of America in Jesus' name. We're going to have revival and push back against this Antichrist system until it's in, under its bed cowering and shaking in its boots because it sees the church of Jesus Christ coming down the street in power and in glory. It's happened. And people are staying silent. I'm not staying silent. I'm not going to just shut down and say, well, you know, whatever they need, you know, we just do want to make a good witness in the community. You know, we've already had, we've had such favor already with the city council. We wouldn't want to ruin that by continuing to meet when they told us not to. They don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about this church. 
You think the city council cares about this church? You think the state government cares about Bethany Billings? You honestly think that they want the best? We just want to see Bethany Billings flourish in the 2021. They don't care. They don't care. They're, they're already mad they're not getting taxes from you. I'm being honest. You honestly think that the government cares about the church? They don't care about the church. It's just another entity they can't control. They've already put charismatic Christians, or listen to this, they've already put uh, Orthodox Christianity on the terror list in America. Apparently now our beliefs are so wild, this, this religion that's been around for 2,000 years, a religion of peace, love, and joy, that we've become, we've become so crazy now that we're on the terror list. You know why? They can't control us. They can't shut us down. They can't stop. You know what? If the devil could stop, could have stopped Christianity, he'd have done it in the first 300 years when it was a death sentence to be a Christian. That if they found out you had any scriptures, you know, that's what they're doing, right? That's what they were doing overseas. If you go look at what was going on in Kabul as the Taliban took over in Afghanistan, you know what they were doing? If they found any Bibles in your possession, if they even found the Bible app on your phone, they killed you. This is what it was like in the first 300 years of Christianity, where if, if you were known as a Christian, if you were doing it, you were put to death. And I'm going to tell you, if the devil could have stopped Christianity, he'd have done it then. But he can't stop it. He can't stop it. If I hear one more preacher stand up in the pulpit and tell their we need to pray, folks. The church is in trouble. Church ain't in trouble. Let me ask you a question. Who's big enough to put the church in trouble? Who's big enough to put the church in? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The devil's not bigger than the church. Demons aren't bigger than the church. The government's not bigger than the church. The spirit of this world's not bigger than the church. Jesus is the head of the church and we're his body and we've got power over the devil. Somebody shout amen. And the Bible says the sorcerer opposed them. He opposed them. And I love this. You know what Paul didn't say? We need to walk in love. You know, he's a sorcerer, but he's a potential brother in Christ. <laughs> it's not what he said. The Bible, Bible says in verse 9, Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. So this just lets you know he didn't do this in his flesh. Did this by the Holy Ghost. He was like a Pentecostal John Wayne. He looked at him. He said, you son of the devil. You thought I was going somewhere else then. <laughs> you son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Verse 11. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for some time. And he went, and immediately, look at this, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Judgment came immediately. Notice here, we have three different entities in this one passage. We have the Christian, Paul, and Barnabas. We have the unbeliever, the governor. And we've got the wicked, the magician, the sorcerer. Notice, Paul, his job, was to preach the gospel to the unbeliever. But notice, he took a stand against the wicked. He preached the gospel to the unbeliever, and he took a stand against the wicked. And let me tell you, God doesn't have to wait till the rapture to judge sin. 
God doesn't have to wait until we get there to the second coming of Christ to judge sin. He judged it right here in Acts 13 in a New Testament passage. He didn't have to wait. Who do you think? You know, Ananias and Sapphira lie into the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, and they were struck dead where they stood and carried them out the back door and buried their behinds. Who do you think did that? The devil? No. God brought judgment against sin. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm praying that God moves in a mighty way in these nations of the world where Christians are being slaughtered. I'm praying God blow your breath from heaven and if they won't be saved, then just move them out of the way. If they won't be regenerated, then just move them out of the way. I don't care if their guns have to misfire and they lose their swords. I don't care what has to happen, but I'm praying God protect your people and blow your breath from heaven and let this world experience a mighty revival before it's too late. Somebody shout amen. amen. Let me finish with this before I pray for you because I'm so stirred up in my spirit. I'm so excited about what God's doing in Montana right here at Bethany. I'm excited about it. I'm excited for people of God like you that have not bowed your knee to the spirit of this world. I thank God for you. I mean, I'm telling you big time. I thank God for you. Because, see, in these final moments of time, we need people like you that aren't just cowering, saying, well, I don't know what's going to happen. People standing in faith. People worshiping the Lord. I looked around the congregation today, and this, this church is, you know what we would say, about 75% full. Look around and see people all lifting their hands, singing out, worshiping God, not staying home, watching the service online, here in the building, doing what the Bible says to do. I commend you. I commend you. I thank God for you because it's going to be people of strong faith that will not bow their knee to the spirit of this world that are going to experience the blessings of God in these final moments of time. It is time to take a stand like we never have for the word of God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, because souls are hanging in the balance. Literally, souls are hanging in the balance. As Jesus gets ready to come back, imagine this, the trumpet's going to sound one day very soon, and there will be many people who are not ready to see the Lord when he comes. The Bible says, Paul wrote, that he'll descend from heaven with a commanding shout, and the dead in Christ will get up out of their graves. Those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see him when he comes. I'm ready. You know, people, I've had people ask me, do you honestly think that we're living in the last days? I say, no, I believe we're living in the last minutes of the last day. I mean, you know, the last days began on the day of Pentecost. Do you know what Peter said? This is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So the pouring out of God's spirit upon all flesh was the sign that the last days had begun. That was 2,000 years ago. And here we are 2,000 years later as prophecies being fulfilled around the world. Do you know it's mind-blowing to understand that Israel being reformed as a nation was a specific prophecy of Jesus that had to happen before other Bible prophecies could even come to pass. How could the Antichrist oppose the nation of Israel if there wasn't one? 
They actually had to be reformed as a nation just so other Bible prophecies could come to pass. And it's already happened. And we're living in that generation. And Jesus is coming very soon. This should put a fire under every one of us to say it's time like never before to see this gospel preached, to live it like I'm unashamed, to see my friends and family come to Jesus and to declare that what is holy and good is going to be my story and it's going to be my identity in in the final moments of time. Somebody asked my uncle, uh, evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth, who preaches on Bible prophecy all the time, and they asked him, they said, do you, do you, how close do you think we are to the return of Jesus? He said this, just to make a, a, a statement. He said, I think we're so close that I don't even buy green bananas. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I believe it. We live like we're ready to see the Lord. We live like we're ready to see the Lord. I'm telling you, I feel the anointing in here today. This is going to be a great week. We're setting our faith for what God's getting ready to do. He opposed that spirit of anti-Christ. And see, one of the things the devil tried to do last year and through this year, I've ministered to people all over this nation that have been attacked by the enemy. And if you have, see, here's the thing. The devil tries to make you feel like you're less of a Christian if you're going through an attack. You're not less of a Christian if you're going through an attack. It is scriptural to be attacked, but it is unscriptural to be defeated. You're not less of a Christian. You don't have less faith if you've been attacked. The devil tries to seek out those whom he may devour. The devil's always trying to attack the people of God. What I always tell people to encourage them is this. Remember that the devil has limited resources. He doesn't have all the angels of heaven, and he's not a creator. So he can't create more angels or more demons. So that means if he is attacking your life truly, that means he views you as enough of a threat to use his resources on. And I want to encourage you, you ought to give God praise. If the devil's trying to attack you, you ought to say, thank you, Lord. I'm making enough of a dent in the kingdom of darkness that the devil's taking notice of me. And I'm a, I used to get upset. You know, I first started in ministry, and, and I wasn't having any pushback from the spirit of this world. And I was like, come on. I was like, I'm not even doing enough for the Lord that the devil even notices me yet. And then I was browsing Google one day and came across a list, a false prophets list. And I found my name on it. I started giving God thanks. So thank you, Jesus. They're finally talking about me. They're finally coming against me. And I'm telling you, when you start to oppose the kingdom of darkness, the devil doesn't like it. And the devil tries to come at you with everything he's got. But the good news is this. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. It does not matter if the whole uh, army of hell came against you with the devil at the helm. There's more power inside one believer than in an entire army of demon spirits. You are victorious. You've got the power of God and the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Hallelujah. As Paul and the team come back, I want to I just say this to you. I've been ministering to people all this year, all last year, because the devil has worked hard to steal our peace. I love that Pastor Jordan said that this morning. The peace of God is in this room today. The joy of God's in this room today. And you know, people act like those are not very important things or that they're secondary. Well, that, you know, peace and joy, you know. But Paul said, the kingdom of God is not what we eat or drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
So according to the Apostle Paul, peace and joy make up two-thirds of what the kingdom is. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Well, you start to realize it's so important because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if the devil can steal your joy, he's stolen your strength. If he can steal your peace, he's stolen your ability to be led by the Spirit of God. And I want to tell you this. I've been ministering to people over and over last year, this year, that the enemy over the last 18 months has done his best to try to steal their joy, steal their peace. A spirit of heaviness has tried to come on people. Uh, suicidal thoughts have been trying to come on people. There's just been one attack after another. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And I don't care what the devil has tried to launch against you in these last 18 months. Let me encourage your spirit. Today, the power of the Lord is present to touch you by his power. And I'm telling you, there's a new joy coming on God's people. There's a new peace coming on God's people. There's a new anointing, a fresh oil, the Bible says. I love that David said that in the book of Psalms. He said, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah. Fresh oil. We need a fresh touch from God every day. We need a fresh touch from God every moment. Why? I can't depend on yesterday's bread, yesterday's manna. I need it today. Fresh touch today. Can you say amen? I want you to stand on your feet, if you would, all over the house of God and just lift your hands to the Lord and begin to thank Him for His anointing, thank Him for His power, thank Him for what He's doing in you, thank Him for what He's doing in this church, that you have an expectation of God's goodness.